BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, my favorite people. Welcome back to the Balanced Blonde podcast, Soul on Fire. Today, we have an incredible person on the podcast, Ainsley McLeod. He is a past life psychic. You may have heard him on Oprah, on Ellen DeGeneres, and now on the Balanced Blonde podcast. I have a crazy story about Ainsley coming on the show where I have been a fan of his for a very long time, and he's been someone that's been in my orbit for many, many years. So I've had friends say to me, I can't believe you haven't had Ainsley on the podcast yet. Or have you ever asked Ainsley how old your soul is or what your soul type is or what your purpose is or what your most recent past life looked like? And honestly, I had been meaning to read his books forever. And then one day earlier this year, I downloaded a few of his books onto my Kindle. And that night, I made a mental note to tell myself I'm going to reach out to his team tomorrow to see if he'll come on the podcast. We'd never met in person. We'd never met online. We never even followed each other. And I swear to you, that very same night, my assistant texted me and said, Ainsley McLeod, his team, reached out to have him on the show. And it was all the same night. And that's how synchronicities work. This stuff is real. I believe in it. And every time it happens to me, I still get astounded. So then we quickly planned for this interview when he was in L.A., And it did not disappoint. I was so excited for him to tell me my soul age, my soul type, and all of the different things that he is able to see because he is a healer, a psychic, a medium. He looks into past lives. He can tell you where your soul came from. But what I think is the most exciting, and this is something that he talked about on Oprah and on Ellen DeGeneres, is he can look at someone and he can read what level their soul is on. So according to Ainsley, there's level one through 10. He sees a lot of level nine people because those are the spiritual types of people who come to him. 
And I'm just going to let you guess what level my soul is on. And I also had a guess from reading his books, but he tells me in this episode, and it's amazing. He blew me away. He is the kindest person. I love his accent. I love his personality. I just love everything about him. He's an incredible soul. And the cool thing is you can actually work with Ainsley one-on-one. And I feel like when people get as well-known as him, that's a pretty rare thing. People don't really do a lot of one-on-one, I feel like, once they get to a certain level of notoriety, but he does. And I think that's just a testament to his character and his healer soul. So check him out, follow him on Instagram, all the things. And let's just get right on into this episode. If you feel inspired to rate and review the show, please do email me a screenshot and I will thank you by sending you my free yoga ebook and entering you into this week's wellness giveaway. Okay, let's get into this episode with Ainsley. First, as we introduce you, I just have to tell you this wild synchronicity story. I don't know if your team told you this. No, I haven't heard anything. I I don't know if my, I told my assistant, you have to tell them because this is crazy. So I've been hearing about your work for years. I had heard about you because you've been on Oprah and all these other things. Mm -hmm. But I finally got the download in my mind to read your book, The Instruction, maybe two months ago. It was like, I've been wanting to do this forever. Mm -hmm. I'm getting it on my Kindle. I'm reading it. I read it for hours and I was obsessing, thinking we have to have him on the podcast. (laughs) This would be my dream guest. And then the next morning, my assistant, she texts me every morning with, questions and emails that we've gotten said Ainsley McLeod for the podcast. And I'm like, what? How how could this synchronicity have happened? I'm freaking out. This is my ultimate manifestation. And it happened within like 12 hours. So I just had to tell you that because I thought that synchronicity was so special. I know. It's, you know, the the universe does work in mysterious ways Mm -hmm. sometimes. And I find that fascinating. You know, people who come, sometimes I get People coming to me for a session where they've had a cancellation instead of waiting years that's been a week. And it's like, oh, my God, I needed it so desperately. And other people who've had to wait go, yeah, it was so much better, a much better time now than it would have been two years ago. And, you know, I really do feel there's a lot going on the other side to make sure we make these connections when we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. The thing about, you know, very often if you hear about somebody and then you come across their name again and... You know, it's the universe trying to pay attention. You know, Absolutely. something here for you. Yeah. Always trying to get us to pay attention. Yeah. I want to hear about your journey into your spiritual awakening, which I know because I read your book, mm-hmm. but everybody listening who might not be familiar, how did you first start realizing that you had these gifts? Well, I was in, in total denial about the gift. And, and uh, I mean, I, I just thought of myself as... Still, to some extent, I do it like a pragmatist or something, even though I'm kind of like I'm loosely tethered to the physical plane is how my wife describes me. And I've always been sort of, you know, kind of out out there, very creative, incredibly not grounded. I mean, I couldn't balance a checkbook if my life depended on it. Same. I've learned to hire people for these things, you know, not force myself to, you know, try to get that 
square peg into a round hole. So anyway, I grew up in, in the northeast of Scotland, and it was not a sort of place where people would exactly have conversations about psychics and so on. But I had uh, a lot of weird experiences, really, uh, things like encountering a ghost. Uh, the things that I, I never, ever thought about, oh, I'm psychic, and this is why these things are happening. I mean, I, one I've talked about is reading a newspaper and thinking everyone's going to get fired because they've printed the story from last Saturday. I knew the whole thing. I knew all the details, wow. the same picture. And of course it wasn't. It was like a precognition, but mm-hmm. I never knew what mm-hmm. it was. And I, I really, I went through years. I mean, I didn't get into, into the path until I was in my early 40s. I, uh, gosh, I mean, I, I'd had psychics tell me I was psychic. And the weird thing, I, I consider myself a total non-believer and I declared I was an atheist at the age of five or something and no time for anything vaguely spiritual. I did like a lot of people. I threw the religious baby out with the spiritual bathwater. And uh, and then I, I I was going through a big transition in my life and had relocated to the West Coast. And the top couple of things that happened, one was on, on my first night in San Francisco that the voice of a psychic from 10 years ago in England had... Uh, it just replayed like in the room it was really weird it wasn't like in my head it was like literally audible I mean to still look back and then go <laughs> you know I wasn't sort of calm and blase about it I was going holy cow <laughs> what the hell is going on Yeah. and he was just saying what he said to me 10 years ago was you're going to end up in California there's nothing you can do about it and I was protesting because I'd been there once, didn't really care for it. I mean, love it now, but mm-hmm. um, so that was the first thing which really made it woke me up. The next day, I went out and I bought loads of spiritual books because I was going, okay, well, how how can a psychic be able to so confidently tell you that you're going to end up somewhere, and through no, you know, deliberate action, you you end up. There. It was never like I thought about fulfilling the, the prophecy. So that really opened me up. And then I went to Hawaii and the story I tell everywhere because it was so huge for me was that I was wandering around Borders bookstore in a very altered state. I mean, I didn't know what was happening, but I was well aware that I was kind of out of it. And I had a couple of weird things that happened. One was I just at random picked up a book. I just opened it up and there was a story about two of my parents' closest friends. And it's a long story, but they were helping a paranormal investigator with who was researching something that happened in Scotland, and they were the only Scottish people he knew. And I'm going, holy cow, wow. that's weird. Yeah. Put the book down and then wandered around the corner, and I ran into my uncle, which was extremely shocking because he'd been dead for probably about a decade. And so, wow. And it, it was it was so brief. I mean, he, he was visually there, but like three-dimensional, mm-hmm. like r- more real than I could ever have imagined pictured him. I mean, it was, I can't even describe it, but only there for about a second, but with a longer message about working together. The thing is, he'd always been an atheist as well. And, you know, when psychics were saying, oh, your uncle's a, a spirit guide and wants to work with you, I go, you know, no time for that. But of course, right. on the other side, he's got a little bit of a different perspective on things. So it was about a week later or so that I was back in the mainland. And I was in a very quiet environment. I was living in a houseboat. Just in the, just north of San Francisco. And I hadn't had much peace and quiet in my life, really, until just around that time. And I just thought, well, let's see if I can do it. Uh, did a bit of meditation, put it out there. You know, if there's anybody there, let me know. And the next thing I'm talking to the spirit world. I always stressed that it was very rudimentary. I mean, it was slow motion and really hard going <laughs> to begin with. 
I had to. Well, he he passed me on to spirit guides that I work with now, mm-hmm. and they're on a slightly different level. They're not the ones, not the freshly deceased, as it mm-hmm. were, you know. So uh, he taught me a little bit, and uh, I spent most of the time trying to confirm it really was him. And, Your uncle. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was sort of saying, you know, I kept asking questions about this life just to validate it, and he's going, you know, that was just one of many lifetimes. And it doesn't really wow. particularly interest me anymore. And so was this something that you were hearing? Were you still seeing him or was this, this very is, clear I didn't see him audience? again. That's a really interesting point because so he passed me on to these spirit guides and they have a little bit of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can see the past lives where people, how you intersect with other people. And, you know, it's, just, it's a broader view of things rather than those on the astral plane who maybe just are more you know, day-to-day, a little bit more mundane. Day-to-day uh, spirit guides. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, I have had that where the, I'd be working with somebody and, you know, grandma's on the other side and she comes in and goes, I hate the new curtains or something like <laughs> yes. that. It's a little bit like saying, hey, I know you bought the curtains and just to let you know I'm watching. But it does seem a little mundane. But mm-hmm. when I was working with these spirit guides, this whole bigger picture and the meaning of life and stuff, and that's what really hooked me. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't see them. I don't hear them exactly. It's not like a voice in the ear. But the guy who told me that I was going to end up in California, he he literally would lean into it. You'd go, what? Okay, you're right. He's got like a voice in his ear. he could hear, yeah. Yeah. He's going, oh, okay, I'll tell him. And (laughs) and I'm going, this is freaky. Right. It's a little weird, you know. For me, it's like, uh, uh, gosh, how can I describe it? It's like having a sentence in my head Mm -hmm. or a line, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe a few words in my head. And there's no... There's nothing else. There's no room for anything else. So it's like a knowing. A knowing, yeah. Right. But in a full sentence. Yeah. I Um, have, I think I have, well, I know. I have the similar, I have the very similar to you. And for so many years of my life, I don't know if you felt this way, it was so hard to determine if it was my thoughts or not. And so I thought it was my thoughts. And the way that I Mm -hmm. channel is typically through writing Mm -hmm. and I would just be like, wow, these sentences, they're coming from another planet. But I, of course, didn't really know what that meant until I realized more recently, I mean, since the the Lyme journey that we were talking about, so about six years ago, Mm -hmm. oh, this is a gift. And like you, Mm -hmm. I had every medium that I met, every psychic that I met would say you're psychic. (laughs) And I'd be like, oh, this psychic's telling you the same thing, by the way. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I, oh, you are? Telling oh, yeah. me that? Yes. Oh, okay, great. Because I want to hear from you. You are, if people listening don't know, like one of the most trusted, talented OG psychics out there. You Thank really you. are. And I was listening to you on Oprah this morning. When was that interview, by the way? Oh, that was uh, going back a while. 12 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, because I was thinking about how much the world has changed and how people are so much more open about this kind of stuff now. Because Oprah, she was saying to you over and over again, this is crazy. And I know she's saying it because she's speaking to such a wide audience that you have to you have to be like, wait, though, like, how is this real? And I was just thinking how now it's a little more commonplace to talk to people who are mediums and psychics who see ghosts, who hear this type of stuff. But back then, you were really at the forefront. And she was saying to you, let's back up because people are going to think this is absolutely (laughs) nuts. And you were saying it is nuts. It is nuts. And it's just this, I feel like the fact that we're even here on this planet is nuts anyway. You know, it's all such a mystery. The whole thing is, it's it's all crazy. I Mm -hmm. mean, even spirit guides are saying to me about something the other day, they 
going, don't look for any logic there. Everything that's happening on the other plane is all energetic. We try right. to put, we try to apply language. There just aren't words to describe these things. So it's just finding metaphors and ways to express it. But, you know, I think in the last 20 years, it's been extraordinary. And yeah, Oprah was very kind of playing devil's advocate, I guess, or, you know, what's surely weird. Well, that is weird. And But she's opened a lot of people's eyes to that more spiritual work. I think she's done really great stuff. And, I agree. You know, to have somebody like me on on the show, that wouldn't have happened 10 years before. And But there is a gr- far greater acceptance. The weirdest thing was that even just before I started doing this work, I didn't really know if there's past lives. That seemed really weird. And then I discovered that, well, actually, reincarnation kind of explains everything. It underlies everything about us. But I've never had to convince a client of uh, the existence of past lives. People come already accepting that. There's been such a shift, in, you know, over the last couple of decades. And it's, you know, so many more people are, are open to spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, there weren't, you know, it wasn't that easy to find spiritual information that wasn't couched in religion or something like that. And religion and spirituality are not the same thing. I mean, they overlap, of course, but... And, and for a lot of people who have that need to express or understand things spiritually, they would do it through more religion. Now there's more acceptance of just, yeah, you have your personal spiritual journey and different ways to connect. But, you know, I talk to people all the time who, who reference spirit guides or their past lives or whatever, and it's just quite normal. And of course, it it's my, my reality, you know, it's the world yeah. I, I live in. I have to let you in on my latest addition to my morning routine. These are truly the best tasting greens I've ever had. They went viral on TikTok for a reason, and that is clean, simple eats. I have already told everyone in my life about clean, simple eats, so you guys are going to be the next to hear about it. Everyone in my life that I've told to start trying it are absolutely hooked. So I drink these greens every day. I usually have them in the morning when I wake up or sometimes after my afternoon workout, depending on what my morning looks like. I just mix them with water and then I feel more energized and it has truly replaced my morning cup of coffee. You guys know I've been caffeine free since January. It is packed with 17 vegetables per serving. It's all your green superfoods in just one scoop. So these are superfoods you don't typically get like chlorella and spirulina. We need these in our diet, but most people are not eating them. They are vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, third-party tested, and never contain artificial ingredients. I'm obsessed with the peachy flavor. It tastes like peach candy. You guys are gonna love it. With my code, you can improve your health for just $1 a day. So visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code BALANCED at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's 20% off your first order at cleansimpleeats.com. Enjoy. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. You are gonna be in love. I cannot stop raving about clean beauty from Sephora. I am obsessed. Let's be honest. I was never a makeup girl until recently, and now I'm hooked. I am using everything from Sephora that is clean and natural. Specifically, I am loving Ilia Beauty. I'm loving Merit, Lawless, Bare Minerals, 
Kosas, so many brands that you can find at Sephora. So my routine, which you may have seen me do on Instagram lately, is I put a little bit of Bare Minerals foundation on. And then from there, I use the Ilia concealer and then I switch it up. And sometimes I use the Lawless concealer as well. I love the bronzing stick from Merit and also the blush from Merit. It's a cream blush that I just rub on my cheeks. And sometimes I also put it on my eyes. It kind of doubles as an eyeshadow. But I'm also obsessed with Ilya's liquid eyeshadow. Like, you guys, I didn't know because I really hadn't been putting on my own makeup since high school. Honestly, that's how much of a non-makeup person I was, that they have liquid eyeshadow now. Like, I don't know if I'm just living under a rock, but it makes everything so much easier. I love how clean it is. I love then topping it off with my Lawless Mascara. I just love Clean Beauty from Sephora. I am obsessed. It is probably the most exciting sponsorship I've ever had. So to learn more, visit sephora.com slash clean. Look for the clean seal to know which products are clean. Can't wait to hear what you think. Enjoy. Yeah. And the yeah. listeners to this podcast are so familiar with that type of stuff. Yeah. We talk about spirit guides and angels and mm -hmm. aliens, star seeds. That's a funny thing. My, my spirit guides have a, they, they, they always talk about my purview, my area of expertise. So people ask me about star seeds, aliens, um, Atlantis. I can't comment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just don't know. They, they it's, just, it's just not my purview. So It's not something that you're here to delve into. That makes right. sense. Yeah. Because you're doing other work on so many different incredible things. Yeah. Something that I'm so excited to talk to you about is the instruction. And again, mm -hmm. I was reading it last night. It's amazing. For everyone listening, you describe soul levels. So soul ages, which is one through 10. Mm -hmm. And then also our mission, our influence on this planet, our secondary influence. And you as a psychic are also able to read people and help them determine what they are and how mm. they fall into all this. So first, I would love to have you explain it. And okay. second, I have to get a reading. I know that you're already <laughs> tuning into my energy before yeah, this. Yeah. I'm dying to know. I mean, I can't tell you how excited. Well, I, I, I'm super excited to talk about your path because in, especially with the age you're at and I mean you you got so many so much ahead of you and so much will change and, and morph as you really come into your own the next uh, uh, few years uh, you, you are oh well let, let me go back a step yeah, yeah you okay. can back up yeah so I talk about things like soul ages you know it helps us to understand where where we fit into the world the people I work with tend to be older souls like yourself there and the marker of being an older soul is a greater awareness of our connection uh, to each other as human beings. So less of that them and us kind of thing. So for that reason, the older soul tends to be more progressive, more spiritual rather than religious, accepting of you know whatever. I mean, you see all this what's going on with the younger souls right now. You know, always looking for someone to beat up on. It's transgender people right now. I feel very strongly about that. I feel strongly about it anyway, but I have a transgender son, so I've got skin in the game, as it were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my kid's the gentlest kid in the world, and these people are afraid of, of somebody who's like just, you know, nicest bloke yeah. you could meet, you yeah. know? And it just, 
it's all it's always the younger soul has a much greater perception of them and us you know big gender differences differences in skin color and so on the older souls just being in every permutation goes yeah who cares whether you're black right. white gay straight or whatever well, and we i don't know mean, that everyone are souls too yeah, right exactly i don't mean not being concerned about gender or uh, issues or races or racial issues or whatever but not seeing that huge not difference in a judgmental way in a judgmental mm-hmm. way exactly so the soul's journey is taking it to a place of acceptance and love. You know, so the older the soul gets, there's more of that. There's also the myth that when you get to be a really old soul, you're going to be like Yoda or something. You're going to kind of, you know, kind of be this Zen master of mm-hmm. some kind. But a lot of clients will say when I read them, well, if I'm such an old soul, how come I got so many fears and anxieties? And the thing is you, you tap into a lot of the past lives and the fears that come up from there. You know, Every fear is really based on what you've learned, to, what's traumatized you in the past. And, uh, you know, why one person reacts to a situation, you know, like it's, it's the end of the world and another person just doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about triggers and what, what's being triggered in this life. So for a lot of poor old souls, they, they're tapping into the this sort of the other side, as it were, but they're tapping into their own checkered pasts mm-hmm. and it can raise a lot of things. You know, one of the things, if you don't mind me saying, and is that you're working through some judgment issues from from past lives. The life before this one, in part, is to help you really get out and reach an audience. And you didn't complete all the things that you're doing in that life, so you're doing a lot of that now. And uh, you know, literally what we're doing in this room is you know, thanks to your soul's desire to reach an audience, you're trying to overcome issues around judgment and self-expression. And this is a terrific way to do it. There's also something else that I found podcasters are all trying to do as well. Or, or, all, all the ones that I've talked to in the last couple of years are working through a past life fear of rejection. They've been abandoned mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to, you're trying to, it's something like, you know, bring the band back together or, you know, bring people together, make them feel safe. And uh, I use the term Pied Piper. It's sort of like that. You know, you're you're the hub and you're sort of bringing people in, often those who suffer in the same kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, you're describing my life. I mean, I yeah. definitely have a fear of judgment, which is interesting mm-hmm. because I am speaking to an audience and it is yeah. public and I have the best audience, most supportive people, right. but people are transient through in this podcast yeah. and they're like, I hate this girl. And in my heart and this lifetime, all the way into many past li- lifetimes, I'm just like, I just want to be loved. I don't I want know. you to hate me. I'm so sensitive and um, aren't we all, but I'm very but deeply more, sensitive. You're and very deeply I sensitive. I have this Absolutely. horrific fear of, of, judgment and rejection mm-hmm. and abandonment, yeah. which has often had me questioning my career as a whole. Yes, but look at the fears that you're transcending through doing this. I yeah. Mean, you know, nobody will know how much courage it's taken you to, to do this. Mm-hmm. They see you, mm-hmm. you know, behind the mic, on the camera, you know, you seem confident and collected and so on, but they don't know how much it's taken to get there. They don't there. know. <laughs> Someone who seems confident could be having a panic attack inside. Yeah. And often people just don't know. And it's given me, feeling this way has gives me so much compassion right. for everyone because you do not know what people are struggling with exactly. on the inside. That's it. It all builds mm-hmm. compassion mm-hmm. through your Absolutely. own experience. Literally, yeah. you know, hands-on experience of life on this plane. And that uh, that judgment almost always shows up as 
fear of public speaking or a heightened concern about how you're going to be perceived by other people. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk in public for 30 years because I had such a huge fear of public speaking. Mm -hmm. I would I would go to pieces. Now, what it is, the soul's memory of being sentenced to death in a past life, judged and sentenced to death and executed. And so yeah. for anyone who's got a fear of public speaking, examinations, that heightened concern about how you're being perceived and so on, stage fright, it's all past life related, all goes back to being judged and dying in a past. It's a death related fear, so yeah. it has to lead to death. It all goes back to that. And once you find the past life source and remind the soul, that was, um, this is now, that's where sometimes the fear disappears in the moment. Sometimes wow. a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And sometimes it doesn't change much. That can depend on a number of factors, but almost always you will get some shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, what I get so excited about with past life work is that the healing potential is totally untapped. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was well, a little bit like this journey that everyone seems to be on, you know, the greater awareness about spirituality. 20 years, people are going to be much more aware of yes. the, the healing potential of doing past life work. And I mm -hmm. see it all the time. People overcoming serious chronic ailments, things they've been dealing with all their lives. And then yeah. two weeks later, they're going, yeah, my Crohn's is healed up or, or my you know, skin issues, psoriasis or something like that can, you know, this is when they, this is assuming it has purely a spiritual uh, mm -hmm. component to it. I Sometimes feel like it th that's not the case. Often of does. So, and maybe yeah. spiritual component and a very real physical component. Yeah. Spiritual component is real too, by the way. Yes. But that's something that you and I were talking about is the chronic illness. And mm -hmm. I have Lyme disease, or as I like to say, have healed from Lyme disease, even yeah. though it's still a struggle. And you were sharing me with me that your wife, Christine, also struggles with Lyme. Yeah. Have you found that people with similar autoimmune conditions, that it's related to past life stuff? Yes, I have found that. Now, I, I can't claim to, I don't even consider myself to be a healer. It just seems to be something that comes up. With the, with the work, I have no knowledge of anatomy, physiology, or whatever, and I'm certainly not a doctor. So things do come up, and it, you know, I've I've worked with her, and we've you know, it's hard to quantify it. We've done some work; it may sort of ease up some of the symptoms and so on. The problem with uh, something like Lyme is, okay, you get a bite from a tick, that puncturing the skin can remind the soul of. In your case, it was shooting up heroin in the past mm -hmm, life. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes causes uh, well, whole different ways that that can... Okay, so you died. I should go. Do you want to hear about the past life? Maybe oh, in context. No, you know, tell me. Yes, tell me. Weird. I need to know the past life. But it's also so interesting because it's so much of what you're trying to do in the past life is what you're trying to do in this life. You just unfortunately died relatively prematurely, sort of early 50s, I think. So... You were a guy in Jamaica. You were a, a small orchestra leader, like a it was like calypso or some some kind of thing. Cool. It was like yeah. So you had your own band, more sort of that idea of you know being a conductor rather than you know maybe singing a bit as well. You were married. You're very popular with the ladies, so you know love um, it. Right. So the problem there was that you got into. You're very sociable, and that's how you're meant to be. You probably had some lives where you were very isolated or whatever, and you, your soul is pushing you to get out into the world and certainly overcome any blocks to self-expression and judgment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So 
what better way than to be in front of an audience and have your, having your own band. You're learning about leadership as well, so that's very important. You're doing that in this life too. So unfortunately, yeah, you, you got into shooting up heroin and uh, you got uh, hepatitis as a result of that, God. dirty needle presumably, and uh, you you got in like an acute flare-up. It was like your death and you went from kind of being, you know, kind of feeling slightly sick to being dead within a few days. Mm-hmm. Very, very quick as far as I could see. It was like uh, and you were hospitalized. The thing is, at that point, you had got divorced and uh, th- that none of the alliances, <laughs> many women you seem to have in that life, uh, were around you and you died alone. And that creates that fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And you come into this world with the tendency from that to feel like an outsider, like you don't fully fit in. But also the reason I see it in podcasters is trying to bring people together. You want to create this unity and... Uh, and because that's an elevated way to heal it, you can heal from rejection by belonging. You know, the more you belong, the less you get rejected, the more you you heal. But if you can take that leap, which does take greater courage, and be the one, the uniter, then oh my God, you can you can leap forward in huge bounds mm-hmm. by doing something like that because you're helping people who are listening and watching this. Are very many of them will have that same fear, but you're creating a place that they feel safe, they feel understood. You're talking the same language, and they they get the feeling of belonging. There's something here; uh, they're part of something that speaks to them. And that is, you will have no idea how much you've affected people until you, the end of this life, you go to the other side. You can't tell on this on this plane. It's only when you go to the other side and and you you realize, oh my god. Yeah, and it could be somebody who was maybe they were suicidal, mm-hmm. and you know they, and then they just found this this place this to community. come. I do get know. messages like that. I mean, that's yeah. the beauty of having a career on the internet is I do get to hear these stories of people who say that this community has changed their life, yeah. or our slogan for this podcast is not from here, <laughs> hashtag not from here, because we're from all over, of course, as yeah. you know, up in the cosmos and yeah. parallel universes and all the other realms. Yeah. And all of us who have felt our whole lives like we weren't from here have a home here. And it is yeah. this really beautiful community. Mm-hmm. So I love that. If you follow me on Instagram, then you've probably seen me posting Atticus playing with KiwiCo. They are defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and so much fun. So these are our favorite kids' toys, moms and dads listening. Do not sleep on KiwiCo. They create super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love for learning among our kids. And honestly, I have found it hard to find toys that I think are genuinely educational for Atticus that are also aesthetically pleasing. I mean, let's be real. These toys look good in our house and also something that he loves and has so much fun with and runs to when he wakes up in the morning. So we just got a couple new things from KiwiCo. We got this rainbow ball run kit and it's for sharpening their looking and listening skills with a colorful ball run. It's so cool. It comes with a set of towers that make a musical plick plunk sound as the ball bounces along. And then it's just fun for your baby to find new ways to 
play from moving the towers around, putting the ball down. It kind of has this domino effect. And then we also got a piano, xylophone, and shaker kit that he literally runs to every morning. We're having so much fun with it. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at KiwiCo.com with the code BALANCED. That's 50% off your first month with promo code BALANCED at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. There is something that I very much wish I knew when Atticus was a newborn baby when he was around four months old, actually, which is when you first start introducing foods to babies. And that is, I wish I knew about Ready, Set, Food. So Ready, Set, Food is this incredible brand that has products that evolve with your child's feeding journey from bottles to solids. They have daily mix-ins that you simply stir into a bottle or food that take the guesswork out of early allergen introduction. But beyond that, they also have so much information for you that is amazing that helps to set up babies for a future of food freedom. So I didn't know when Atticus was really young that first of all, you can start giving babies common allergens at four months. And not only can you, but according to evidence-based research, USDA guidelines, pediatricians and allergists all agree that feeding small amounts of common food allergens daily for six months or more is important for all babies. So we've been really lucky in that Atticus doesn't have any food allergies, knock on wood, but he's a very picky eater. And I will tell you, he loves all of the foods from Ready, Set, Food. We love the organic baby oatmeal. We love their organic oat and fruit bars. There's a peanut butter one that tastes so good. And we have a special deal for you. Visit readysetfood.com and use the code BALANCED at checkout for 10% off your purchase. That's R-E-A-D-Y-S-E-T-F-O-O-D.com. Use code BALANCED for 10% off your order. Uh, cannot believe I had the lifetime as the heroin addict. It's I, There's so many par- parallels in this life, really, where my first love, who I was with for about 12 years in this lifetime, was a, it was a heroin addict. And I was so intertwined with him. It was mm-hmm. like we have so much soul karma together. Yeah. And then also on that note, every time I get really sick now, and I'm, you know, I'm chronically ill, mm-hmm. but... I, if I ever have like a near death experience, which I've had a couple times, I'm like convinced I'm dying. Like I'm going to go. There's, there's one way (laughs) this is going to go. I'm going to die. And it obviously hasn't happened. I'm still here and I'm thriving and I'm healthy. So it makes sense to me that that fear that I have is coming from this recent past life. Well, it's a fear of sickness. Yeah. What the soul learns from that, what it takes away from that experience of, you know, in, in a couple of days, like I say, you seem, you seem to go from, you obviously been sick for a long time, I imagine, but it was a chronic, sorry, a, an acute flare-up of whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. So what that teaches your soul is that a little thing could be, become a big thing. So when you get sick, the soul kind of, and it associates also with failure because of the, the you didn't complete that past life. That's why you're completing a lot of it now. And so uh, the the soul then, uh, it, it's all the soul's always looking back for reference, never forward. So you know, it doesn't think it doesn't 
see that you're going to die. It's not that. But it goes back to a similar thing. Oh, we're in a hospital and we're, 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 we've had an acute flare-up of something. Oh, we're going to die. And the fear of failure kicks in and says, yeah, what's the point in fighting it? So a lot of these big lessons are karmic. The soul chooses, not all the detail of it, but the fact that you came in and ended up with somebody like that. Now, here's the, the challenge is that your soul is going to go, okay, we wanted to get some sense of what it's like to be at effect of someone like that, the other side of the coin. I think we have enough. And we will try to show, throw out signs. You know, he maybe, he, you know, soul's there to protect you, you know. So it's maybe saying, have you thought about getting out of this? Are you sure mm-hmm. you really want to do mm-hmm. this? That you're a super empath. I mean, as I mentioned this to you earlier that you have, you are very emotionally centered. I mean, you've got other things going on, but very, very empathic. Your, your talent for empathy, it's a past life talent. All talents are developed in other lives and brought into this. Your empathy is huge. So you're not going to, you know, immediately go, ah, you've got a problem, get out of here. You're going to, how can I fix this? How can I bring more love to the table? Yes, what, what? I never walk away from people, <laughs> friendships, relationships. Yeah. It's something I'm learning to do now at yes. the age of 32 to have boundaries and be like, you know what? Maybe this person who like never returns my calls and doesn't really show any interest toward me is not my friend anymore. Right. But it's very hard for me to walk away from people. Yeah. And it is. Especially like the fear of rejection. The because deep. It's, yeah, it's, I don't want to be like, abandoned. You don't want to be abandoned, so you don't want them to be abandoned. Yeah, That's, and I don't want them to be abandoned. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Wow. Oh, my goodness. However, the big lesson for somebody who's a super empath like you is learning boundaries. Yeah, that's and, uh, the lesson. Yeah. Wow. So back to the soul. I mean, I want to talk to you about past lives all day um, and we will. But back to the soul levels, the 10, we can kind of just like briefly go over them. And then I'm curious, you're a level 10, right? Right. Meaning this is your last life here on Earth. God, I hope so. Yeah. But <laughs> so do can people yeah. be level ten and can they keep coming back? Yes. Or you can have multiple oh. you can have multiple lifetimes at each level. They just give a flavor of, uh, to what you're doing. If I if I'm reading somebody and I can see their level seven, well they're gonna be all about creativity and innovation. A lot of great artists were level seven souls. Now there's ten levels in all, so you start off at level one, come into the world, you're not looking for any kind of you know, big lessons. You just want to get to grips. As I said in my last book, you want to figure out how your reproductive or- organs work. You want to just get, find out what it's like to be human yeah. and just in a body. So no no big stuff. And then as your soul grows, level two, three, you start to build communities. You start to, you know, looking for more complex lessons. Level four, you know, it's just, you're, you're, you're just growing, but you still, until you reach the end of level five, which is halfway through all these these levels, that's really, it's it's at the end of level five that things change. You've been a young soul for could be 50 lifetimes or something. And then the, 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 the big change at that point is that you become more introspective. It's like a 180 degree flip instead of everything being external, externalized. You're starting to question, what am I doing here? And you know, what is all this about? And uh, so level six souls, they were the ones who were often with a lot of doubts. You know, they're the... You know, what's it all about? Why am I here? What am I what am I doing here? And a little bit of insecurity as, as well, which is interesting because those at level five, if you think of a lot of people who kind of are drawn to power and run the world and, and so on, they're level five souls. They don't have the compassion, but they've got, my God, they've got the, the ambition 
and often the, the need for power. And they're not almost the best people to have in, in those positions either. I mean, you look at what's happening with here, like woke, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> no, I am woke AF, you know. And, yes. I mean, I am proud of being empathic and kind and concerned about people other than myself. This is not a flaw. This is, we should aspire to that. Yeah. And uh, be more compassionate and caring for other people. And the fact that that's seen by these young souls is something they can, you know, beat you up mm -hmm, with is mm -hmm. absolutely absurd. It's so, horrible. And politically, it's, there's a lot of polarization in the states, for example, right now. And it's it's because we've got a we've got a changing population, especially somewhere here like in California, you've got a lot of old souls, mm -hmm. and it's and it's expanding. And these young souls don't know what the hell to do with it. I mean, it's scary, right. it's you know. It's terrifying they, to they them. They literally can't understand it. I mean, God bless them. It doesn't mean you should let them get away with any of their BS, but of course, um, they just don't have the experience. So you get into level six, seven, eight, and you 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 start to just become like a just more connected. You you recognize that you know what's happening to that other person could be happening to you. You see the person homeless in the street corner begging, and you don't just go, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Right. You, you want to help them because right. uh, you, 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 you've been there yourself. Your soul will nudge you. It will say, hey, remember right. that time that we were homeless? What would we have liked? Yeah. Maybe someone just to give us a, a little bit of spare change or something. Uh, hopefully a lot more. But, you know, we should all be helping each other. And as you get to be a really old soul, most of my clients are level 8, 9, and 10. That, we touched on something there where you, know, you get to be a level 10, late level 10 soul. And when I tell people about this, they go, could this be my last life? Well, you don't know till you process it, but it could be. And they go, oh, <laughs> thank God. I right. just want to go home. You can feel when yeah. you're tired. I mean, yeah. I feel like, it's like a soul level as a exhaustion. very old soul, I'm like, <laughs> can I even do this again? I mean, yeah. I'm grateful for this life. And I don't <laughs> yes. want to be like, I don't want to be not in the same place as the people that I love and the souls yeah. that I love. I don't know if I could do this again. <laughs> right. I've And you can tell me when we get to that part, but like, I don't know how many more lives I have in me. My yeah. body feels like I'm 150 years old and I'm right. 32. Yeah. You're not supposed to feel this way. And I can see the gifts in all of it. And, you know, to have a podcast, to be able to talk about this kind of stuff is one of those gifts. Yeah. But it's a lot. Well, you're a very old soul and the, the, it is tough, but also you're dealing with some, you know, major physical stuff. And the problem for a lot of people with chronic disease is that the soul can't separate mind, body, and spirit. The soul sees it as one bundle. So when you've got something going on with you physically, it'll, it'll affect you mentally and emotionally. Yeah. If you've got something going on spiritually, it can make you sick, you know? So it's because the soul can't separate that out. We should separate to this. We should do some past life work together and see if we can get some healing energy. Please. Because there's even weird things like um, you having... Uh, it, it would be different, I think... Uh, I'd talk with more authority if you had died of a heroin overdose, but heroin was associated with your death. And, well, I mean, it's, it's a medication, but it also has there's a negative aspect to it. So it can help you, but it can also kill you and, or cause an overdose or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, you didn't die directly from the heroin, but it's certainly a, a factor. So what can happen, and I'm not saying this is happening, but this is common, is that the soul rejects any kind of medicine because it fears it's something foreign coming into the body and it could have this effect. So sometimes you'll see this where people have a classic thing I do. I, I, often at events, I'll ask people about this. You have a show of hands. 
people, t- I, I say, does anybody here have to take twice as much lidocaine or novocaine or whatever it is at the dentist? You know, get those hands going up. And people go, oh, I have to take four times as much. It's, it's because the soul is exercising this power over the, the body. And it's saying, oh, oh we're not going to let this affect us. So this is sometimes where uh, aspirin doesn't seem to work or medication takes a long time mm-hmm, to kick in mm-hmm. or isn't as effective for one person as it might be for somebody else. And sometimes it even shows up as a hypersensitivity to it. It's this whole kind of going, oh, my God, it's alarm bells and over overreaction to I it. I have the hypersensitivity. Yeah. I have like two Advil could give me a panic attack because of like, you know, whatever is in there. And I've been on such a journey with medications. I've done ketamine therapy, which I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on psychedelic therapy with this Mm -hmm. whole spiritual stuff. Our next partner is AG1. I am such a fan of AG1. I was just blending it up in the kitchen. They are the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every single day. I gave AG1 a try because I'm a new mom and I really needed that boost in energy. It's amazing for energy, for immune system, for the gut. I specifically love the rhodiola and the B12. It gives me that boost that I no longer get from caffeine because I don't drink coffee anymore. So I drink this first thing in the morning and then I usually do my meditation, go to the gym get into my day and it just makes me feel unstoppable. And like I'm covering all of my nutritional bases, it has vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, and it tastes delicious. I have felt a lot of sustained energy and also improved digestion, which has been so, so helpful for me. So I know you guys are going to love AG1. You've heard me talk about it forever, and that's because it is a tried and true TBB fave. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash blonde. That's drinkag1.com slash blonde. Check it out. Hi, I'm Mari Llewellyn and I'm the host of the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. A couple of years ago, I went through a huge transformation. And although I got a lot of attention for losing weight and discovering my passion for weightlifting, there was a lot more to that before and after than what a few pics could ever capture. On the Pursuit of Wellness, you can expect tons of information from experts about optimizing your body and mind. I'll also be sharing some triumphs and struggles from my own personal life. I'm on this journey with you, so you can definitely count on my podcast to give you that weekly dose of encouragement we all need as we pursue things that make us feel our very best inside and out. Tune into the Pursuit of Wellness every week wherever you listen to podcasts. First, I'm really curious. Can you tell me what level is my soul? Yes, you you are. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you're 80% into level 10. So the 80%, I get the percentages. I've not written about them anywhere yet, but... They help me to understand what you're working on. And everybody at, at 80% into any soul level is, if, well, actually, if you're 80%, yeah, I think it would be every soul level, even the young soul, you have to work through rejection. It's like a mm-hmm. mandatory mm-hmm. sort of step. It's like, 
I don't know, getting to the end of a board game and having to throw six to get off, you know, to finish yeah. up or something like that. It's like a mandatory experience you have to have. So that fear will have been up probably from very, very early on. And you can see it in children sometimes where, you know, some kids, some babies, they're good sleeping in their room. They don't feel like they've been abandoned. But for some, they, they feel, oh, my God, it's the end of the world when I'm made yeah. to be in my own room or you see with separation anxiety in kids as, as well because it's that fear of being abandoned. It's all about love. You're being denied love, dying alone in a hospital in, in that life. Even if there's nurses or doctors around, they're not loved ones. Right. And that feels like rejection. So it's kind of a form of abandonment. Mm-hmm. So that's a very common way that I see it, that's fear being created and then it gets triggered so easily in this life. And especially a lot of very old souls will choose challenging parents because the family of origin can trigger a lot of fears to be worked on. And uh, some will come in very loving parents. That's great. Others will have the ones who are distracted or not there for them or abandon them or there's divorce in the family or something. And it's a choice the soul makes to trigger the fear so that it doesn't have to keep coming back and hoping that the fear gets triggered so it can work on it. It brings it up. And then, of course, it's a horribly challenging thing to go through childhood with that fear of abandonment and rejection, that yeah. tendency to be isolated and maybe even become a victim of the mean girls at school or whatever like like that. You know, old soul empaths are the ones who are most likely to be targeted mm-hmm. by the bullies. So. Yes, the <laughs> internet bullies as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Internet bullies included. Yeah, something I, – I, well, I'm so – excited to learn that I'm a level 10 soul, 80% into it. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Something that I had guessed when I was reading your book and I tuned into it was that I was either a level 10 or a level Mm nine because something that I saw about level 10 is a lot of times they're fine with living like a very quiet life, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like my life has not been that. It's been more public facing, but there's like a battle within me that almost every day I do feel like I would like to just move to Kauai with my son and my husband and go off the grid and for no one to ever know me again. It's like my guilty pleasure (laughs) fear. But I have this other part of me that is absolutely pulled to speaking to my audience and having a community and so let's talk about that please tell me i mean and and for anybody else listening too i hope this can help other people too because i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have that juxtaposition well most of my clients and most of the the spiritual type podcasters that i've spoken to are what are called spiritualist soul types and i just assumed you would be you know statistically Mm -hmm, (laughs) same (laughs) however you're, you're you're not. You're what? like you're like me. You have it as an influence. Oh, okay. Spiritualist as an influence, but not yeah. my soul type. That's right. So what's my soul type? You're a performer. Oh my god! But you're a performer of that fear of rejection and, and self-expression. <laughs> so you know you're not going to look like you know, I, I don't know, all singing, all dancing, you know, life of the party all the time. But it it's more about you're working through some self-expression stuff, really learning to speak your truth. What a great forum for that as well. And helping other people to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the reciprocal karmic aspect to it. So 
That really surprised me because, you know. Me um, too. Yeah. Me yeah. and Oprah. Because I listened to that <laughs> this morning and well, she was, she. I don't know if that was her main type, but it was I one of her types. I remember that, but yeah. it's, it's very, mm-hmm. very strong mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, of course. Well, it makes sense. She's, you know, and you, yeah, you, you have this idea that, oh, a performer, and you learn to be a performer through singer, dancer, actor. And I think, of course, you being in a, leading an orchestra in a past life, you know, you can imagine that's a great way to learn to be a performer. But a lot of this is about, it's not about, well, here's the interesting thing, because I think you must go through this, worrying about is it egotistical to want to be, want to be doing this yeah. or be famous or whatever. Yeah, since I was five years old, right. I told my parents I'm going to be famous. Yes, I did the same thing. My my brother remembered a time when I was ten, no, maybe twelve years old, and uh, he was a year younger. He came. And we'd uh, been out and came to the house and my mom had me out the, b- the back door, towel around my shoulders and she's cutting my hair and I'm grumbling and going, oh. And his friend remembered me saying, when I'm famous, I'm not going to put up with this shit. <laughs> That's and, amazing. And uh, he said that, uh, later, I notice it's not if, it's when. When. And uh, another friend of mine pointed out, because I was a, a, I've been a musician and uh uh, an artist, and he said, "You've had more fifteen minutes of fame than anyone I know." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, pretty. I can't bundle it up and make it yeah, into something so cool. bigger." But it was part of my life plan, as it is with you. It's just called. It's called a, a desire for fame. You've got two things that are very prominent. They're not the only desires, but these are physical plane experiences that your soul's chosen. One I see a lot in my clients is it's a desire for immortality, which is not about living forever, and you know most souls. <laughs> The old souls that we talked about would not want to live forever. Mm, no thanks. Um, but it does mean you want to leave a legacy and create a, create a ripple effect. Mm-hmm, and almost always it's through, I mean, well, writing a book is a very common thing, but do, doing what you're doing here right now is fulfilling your life purpose. You're yeah. in your element. And the desire for fame plays into this. And the main reason that a soul will choose what's called a desire for fame is to make sure that you get over that small voice that's associated with being a performer that tells you it's somehow egotistical or wrong to want to be in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. Because if you think of it, when you're learning to be a performer, you might, in that life in Jamaica, you might have grown up, you know, your soul knew you're going to be a singer and have an orchestra or whatever. But maybe when you're growing up, there's no obvious sort of outline for that. So you end up being show-offy and maybe getting on the table and dancing or whatever. And you get told it's, you know, attention-seeking. It's wrong. Every soul type has, there's some pejorative way of looking at every soul type. So performers get that message. Oh, there's something wrong. I'm egotistical or whatever. The desire for fame is supposed to counter that. It's saying, you know, it's not egotistical because if you're going to do all the things as an old soul that you want to do, you need to have an audience. Yeah. You need to reach as many people. And what the performer in anyone's personality will do is say, if we can reach 50 people, how do we reach 50,000? Mm-hmm. And if we can reach that 50,000, mm-hmm. how do we reach 50 million? It's kind of always looking for that bigger bang for the buck. Yeah. Yeah? That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I love knowing that because as I was revisiting your book this week, I I did write performer as something that I felt mm-hmm. I definitely was as a soul type. Yeah. I also wrote, I believe, creator. Creator. Is that one of my oh, yes. that's, influences? That's um. I I think that's the next. That's the primary influence. Yeah, because yeah. you you also wrote creators have their feet in both worlds, mm-hmm. and that's 
the definition of my life experience. <laughs> like, am I on this planet? Am I in another planet? I feel yeah. like this bridge between worlds. And creator made a lot of sense to me. And then, yeah, the spiritualist was in there. There was a healer component that I maybe felt with like a lot of the self healing that I've done. But yes, I think it's performer, creator, thinker, and it's caregiver in there. Oh yeah, that's an interesting thing because you've got these, I see this from time to time in clients and it looks really odd. So a couple of paradoxes that we should talk about because one is you've got super feminine nurturing mm-hmm. energy from mm-hmm. the caregiver. You know, you've learned to take care of animals or children or the sick and dying or whatever in a past life. But you also have this little bit of masculine energy there. The drive comes from a leader influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, again, you would have learned that from being an orchestra conductor, leader, you know, literally leading. So you're, you're learning to use your authority. But because of all the other things, you're learning to do it in very gentle way. You know, you're not going to be like a sergeant major barking orders at people. Right. Know? But there is going to be that little bit more drive. It's um, something a lot of very old souls will choose. It's, uh, I call it Viagra for the soul. Where, you know, well, you know what it's like. You come into this world and you go, all these things I want to be doing, but oh my God, it's such hard work. And, right. You know, I know. That's me. I'm like, I want to do a million things and I'm exhausted yeah. <laughs> on a soul level. And talking of paradoxes, it's something else that shows up in something, an area called missions, which are part of your life yeah. plan. And you have the paradox. The paradox is what my spirit guides call it. And this is where you've got, um, you've got a mission of connection, which you don't. I mean, I can't imagine you could have a performer in you without having a mission of connection. I can't see how that would work. So it's really meant to make sure that you do connect with other human beings, and especially with the fear of rejection, that you don't become a hermit or isolate yourself too much. But you also have a mission of avoidance, which is the part of you that probably after doing this here today, you just want to go and lie down in a darkened room yes. and get away from everything. I knew it. When I read that in your book, I was yeah. like, that's me, the the paradox. Yeah. I And you're about 50-50 split. Yeah, I feel that. I love people. Connection's so important to yeah. me. I'm a triple Libra. I don't know how much you know about astrology, but I'm <laughs> nothing incredibly social. That has to do with like the Libra energy. Yeah. And... I am so perfectly happy to be alone. And not only do I need to be alone because I'm an introvert, so that's how I recharge, yeah. but I I have to do it. Like, you're so correct after this today. If I didn't have a 14-month-old, I would go <laughs> home, crawl into bed, and I wouldn't emerge until the next day. Yeah. Not sleeping, because that's not something I do very well, but reading mm-hmm. and just charging myself back up. And then now being a mom is interesting. And I think anyone listening who also has this paradox can feel it's it's something to learn. Yeah. I don't have as much alone time as I used to have. You've got to really work harder to get it. And it doesn't have to be you know, doing intense meditation or anything specific, but just, you know, kicking back in the bathtub or reading a book or My something. My favorite activity. Yes. <laughs> you know, the old soul just like, yes. oh, just let me relax here for 10 minutes. Yeah. My um, husband's like, how do you spend so much time in the bath? <laughs> and, oh, I'm going to have to have you look at him. I don't know if you can like look at a picture of him and tune into his energy. Probably not right now. Uh, not but, now, but, but could, later. Like yeah, we're, we'll stay we in could, contact. Absolutely. I need, we I need we to can know. Do that. Yeah. I feel like my husband is a, a younger soul than me, mm-hmm. but he's also really wise. Mm-hmm. He has 
old soul elements because yes. so much energy. You can and be you an, old, never an old soul, but still younger than you. You're right, right. up there. So most of the mm-hmm. population is going to be younger. Right. Yeah. That was my mm-hmm. other question is what's the breakup of all this? Like, is there more young souls on the planet, more old souls on the planet? Do more old souls come to the planet at specific times when we need them? Or is it just everyone's just on their soul's path? <laughs> Boy, this have, have we got a couple of hours? I know, right? Um, a very loaded question. I know, it really is. It's, there's there's a lot to it. The, okay, so we've got an increased increasing size of a population. You know, the hockey stick graph where it's kind of, you know, last 150 years, a massive increase in population. What old souls are doing to try and keep a balance, so it's not just all very young souls and this small number of old souls, they split off to be in different places so that... You could be in five different places on the planet right now. No other part of you is lesser than, it's not like this is your core and these are satellites or whatever. They're all as whole as you. It's like lighting a candle off a candle. They're not Mm -hmm. in any way diminished. So parallel, like there's other pieces of your soul living parallel right now. Yeah, your soul just split off to be in Mm -hmm. other places. I I feel that. I, I don't even, my soul is, or aspects of my soul are in, One's teaching piano somewhere in in Holland, I think. Wow. Some another one in Paris. There's no sense of it, you know. You don't feel it. But what will happen at the end of this life is you, everyone comes together, and you know when the last one finally dies, and you process everything that's happened. You're all processing the same past, but through this very these very different lives. Wow. Everyone will be working on the same fears, killing those, and uh, but they can be doing it in such different ways. So. The attempt is to keep the keep some sort of balance between young souls and old souls globally. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that certain countries will be much younger soul than oh. others at different times. You could look at a place now where it's all very high energy, level five stuff. Singapore, I don't know, it's, I pulled that out of nowhere, but you know, somewhere like that. It's like you know, gosh, I mean, corporate. You know, it's kind of like you know, for there's not a lot of old soul energy, but if you went back 100 years or 200 years, you might find it very, very different. Maybe it's more like a more spiritually based culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this applies really to any anywhere. You know, you can go to a, a country like India, which is a little bit more sort of younger soul right now. A place that young, when, when a soul is choosing, where does it go? It'll go, okay, what do I want? Where, where can I go for the kind of experiences I want? So let's say they go, okay, well, India is a happening place, you know, so we go there to get more of that young soul energy, sort of vibrant, a lot going on. But then you look back a couple hundred years and the art and the culture and so on. And then, you know, it was a bit older back then, but this, it, it all morphs and changes. And that's why it's such a huge question, you know. Like yes, you, because it's super complex. I yeah. mean, parallel souls and also so much going on yeah. all the time on this planet and in other realms. I know people listening are going to want to know how can they find out their soul type, their soul age. <laughs> Obviously, they need to get your book, The Instruction. Or my, my most recent book is The Old Souls Guidebook. Mm-hmm. That's a good starting place because okay. it's a bit of an overview oh, nice. of, of all of that. So. I'd certainly suggest that. Do you do readings on people there or you just kind of I, teach them I don't, how to tune yeah, into it? Yeah, we just answer mm-hmm. a few questions. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't go into too much depth. But if you wanted to work with me, just go to soulworld.com or to ainsleymcleod.com. Wow. And uh, and do you still work with people one-on-one? I do. 
Oh yes. my God, we are yeah. all so lucky. I well, wasn't I sure because I know you've reached a certain level of of great success where sometimes people step away from doing the one-on-one sessions, but what's well, your I lo- I what's your it. mission? I love it so much. Is your mission, like your main mission, would it be change or change healing? Is, change is the big one. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely read the book. Yeah. Uh, oh, you um, know I've read the book. I, I read it cover <laughs> to cover. Yeah, and that um, actually kicks into your healing journey, by the way. Mm-hmm, the internal mm-hmm. mission of change will be where you, you really want to be, all, you can be an improve and you know, you get sick and you don't want to just sit with it. So that right. would be, and you've got ex- external and internal as, as well. I've got more of the external one, which I, mm. you know, I just, from the get-go, it's like wanting to see a better world. Yeah. And uh, so that sort of motivates me. The frustration is like doing one-on-one stuff. It's it's not fast enough, you know. It's yeah, like, I know. So that's why I do classes. We have the Soul World membership uh, program oh, at soulworld.com. It's amazing. And I mean, the way that you and I connected is so synchronistic and I'll never be over it. <laughs> so final question, even though I'm going to have you back on because we barely got to scratch all the other things that I want to no, ask you still. We could talk forever. Um, hours, days. Um, yeah. Is I'm just curious, do we become spirit guides after we go from this level 10? You know, you and I are level 10 souls yeah. and I know Lacey's a 10 soul because right. I was listening to that podcast. A yeah. lot of my listeners know and love Lacey Phillips. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go be spirit guides after this or are we coming back? Well, uh, you can be coming back and still be a spirit guide. Spirit guide is um, some someone who's part of your soul family and the soul family is huge. I mean, it can be you know immense, but these are souls that came into the world at the same time as, mm-hmm. as you. Mm-hmm. And we're... The older the soul gets, the more you want to interact with people from your soul family because it's often a, a faster track to deeper intimacy. You know, you can see the world through the same lens and maybe you've got shared experiences from other lifetimes together, something like that. So we're, we all go in between this plane and the astral plane when we're finished with this life. We process, we plan, we come back into this life. But in between, we can be acting as a spirit guide uh, for others. And... Uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, I didn't expect my atheist uncle to be a spirit guide. Yeah. But when you're in spirit, you know, you you're, you you want to help others. Sometimes it can be like you weren't there for your child mm-hmm. when you're on the physical plane. So you want in, in spirit, you want to help them. Yeah. Or maybe you always did help them and you want to do more of it or yeah. something like that. But there's huge lessons from doing that for all of us. So we, we all become spirit guides at, at different times. And uh, then when we're all... Our whole soul family's done with all of these lives. We do eventually reunite, go up to a slightly higher level, and continue to do the same thing. It was one of those things where, where I went through like most of my life going spirit guides, <laughs> rubbish, and now it's like I just wish people knew that we are we're not alone. Yeah, well, I love that because I feel like it also helps people with the fear of death, which so many yeah. people have. If we know that we do come back, you know, I don't know if everyone wants to come back, but we do get reunited with our soul families. Life doesn't just end. I mean, we are our eternal souls. I love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on, Ainsley. You're amazing. Well, thank you so much for for having me here. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.